0: Welcome to another episode of the Amford Church Sermon Podcast. We're thrilled that you're taking the time to listen to what we have to say about God, the world, and you. These sermons are recorded live during our weekly Sunday morning services. To find out more about us or to plan a visit to join us, check out our website, amfordchurch.com. Again, thanks for listening and enjoy. Be alarmed, said the young man. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now, depending on when you were born, when you grew up, um, chapter 16 of Mark's gospel probably will have challenged you, probably will have stressed you out in different ways. Let's start with kind of the time frame that everyone in this room is born in the 20th century or the 21st century, Um, one facet of Mark chapter 16 that probably we all find alarming is the spectacular miracle, is the outrageous miracle of a dead man being alive again. In our modern days, that is one of the things that we come to in the Scriptures and it just stresses us out or causes us difficulties and questions. And we think to ourselves, well, we believe in science, we don't, we don't understand or agree with miracles, and all of this sort of thing. I mean, very simply, that can be dealt with, can't it? That if God, then resurrection, no problem at all. If God exists in any way, shape, or form, really, we can truly get our heads around the resurrection. What if we had been the original recipients of the letter? What if we had been Christians, non-Christians in the Roman church, people living in the first century AD, you know, within a a decade or so of Jesus' having died and risen to life again? That resurrection aspect of chapter 16 wouldn't have caused us to bat an eyelid. That, That would have been fine in our thinking, but we would have been really stressed out by the original witnesses. Mark was writing, and he was writing about something so important, and yet he chose to describe the events in such a way that it's women who report it now to us. Of course, we don't stress about that at all. But their law courts were set up, their customs, their traditions were such that it was only men, and men of good repute, whose testimony was worth listening to. So for Mark to come along and to record the resurrection... And to say, we know it happened because women saw it, well, now that would have stressed people out. But of course, as I said, we're fine with that because we believe women as much as we believe men. We're ridiculous to think anything else. How about in the last 100, 200 years or so? Can I tell you that one of the things that has stressed people out about Mark chapter 16 over the last 200 years is the way that it finishes or the way that it doesn't finish, and the way that it carries on or doesn't carry on. If you were reading along with John, or if you happen to pick up a Bible today, or this week, or what have you, and you read through and you get to Mark chapter 16, you'll see in virtually all of your Bibles, lots of like square brackets and italicized writing where, um, even though the Gospel of Mark is finished, for some reason there's extra text and there's there's more things going on there. I'm going to get to explaining that and why we shouldn't stress about that at all, why we shouldn't be alarmed about that at all in a bit. But that was the thing that really, really worried people. Now, can I confess to you what has been the most alarming, arresting, stressful part of Mark chapter 16 to me as we've been working our way through Mark's gospel since September. If you are a guest here this morning, by the way, we haven't just dived into the Easter story since September. We've been looking at Mark and his history, his record of all the things Jesus said, all the things Jesus taught and did, and how people responded and reacted and all that. The thing that stresses me out the most when I come to it is how all of a sudden, Mark changes his tune. Mark changes his tune, or oh, oh, the story around Jesus changes drastically and dramatically. If you've been reading through Mark, if you have read Mark, if you've come and you've listened to me speaking at all, you'd know that one of the things that I've stressed, lords and lords and lords, is that right the way through Mark's gospel, Jesus has been very, very keen to tell people to keep quiet. When he's come and he's revealed certain things about himself, when he's performed incredible miracles, so consistently, apart from with one exception, he's instructed people to stay quiet. When people have glimpsed who he truly is, God with us, God made flesh, walking on the earth, he's been at pains to tell people, keep this to yourself. But then you get to Mark chapter 16, and what does this young man, dressed in white, in the tomb, have to say to the women? Go and tell go and tell. There's a massive change that takes place right in the final paragraph of Mark's gospel, where Jesus goes from someone actually we're supposed to be secret about, we're supposed to stay quiet about, to being someone who we're supposed to spread his name to the ends of the earth. That's what it says in some of the other uh, passages of the Bible around about this sort of time. We're supposed to go from silence to speaking. For me, That has been the most alerting, alarming, stressful, confusing aspect of it all. Not the resurrection, which, if God, then, you know, why not? Not that women were the uh, witnesses, because why is that a problem? Not because in our Bibles there are a couple of brackets that kind of show us where Mark's gospel really ends. We'll get to why that's not a problem. But because what, 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 why? Quiet, be quiet, keep it to yourself, silence to all of a sudden go and tell people about what you have seen and what that leads you to understand about Jesus. So I want us this morning just to think about what has actually changed. Why is it that Mark or the people in Mark's gospel kind of change gear so dramatically from silence to this command to go out and speak? And basically it's because Easter's happened. It's because of Good Friday and easter sundays because of the cross the death the burial and the resurrection it's because only now right at the end of mark's gospel do we have the full jesus jesus has died jesus has risen and i'm going to put this out there this morning that until you've seen those two things in jesus's life you cannot truly understand who he is you cannot truly comprehend who Jesus is, unless you have seen him as someone who has died and risen to life again. Because in these two acts, in Jesus coming and dying and Jesus rising to life again, we see most clearly and most fully the love of God and the power of God. And we can conceive of a God who is loving, we can conceive of a God who is powerful But until we see them wonderfully brought together over that whole weekend, we don't really see or understand how they are Jesus Christ, the loving God and the powerful God who was truly seen at Easter. Excuse me. You can't have the real and the full Jesus without him. Think about what you have without Good Friday and without Easter Sunday. See, a lot of people want to have a God of love, but they want to have that without Jesus dying in any sort of purposeful sense. The way that we try to rewrite history often, for some reason, I I can't really comprehend it, is that Jesus was the victim. He was the innocent victim on Good Friday. That somehow he got caught up in the cogs of some power struggle, some religious uh, toings and throwings, and it was just really unfortunate that Jesus died. You see, if that's what we want, then what we get is not a loving God in Jesus. We just get someone who we can sympathize with greatly for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Without Good Friday... None of the disciples and none of us here today could really point to Jesus and say, wow, now I truly see the love of God. And equally so with Easter Sunday, that a lot of people want to have a God who is in charge, a God who is powerful, mainly because we want to lay blame at his feet that he hasn't done the thing that we wanted him to, and and he's not nice, and um, we can accuse him this way and that way. But really, nowadays, we want to have that without the resurrection without the idea, the sense that God is all able and uh, willing to override and to intervene into our history, to fiddle with physics such that what he wants goes. You see, we can conceive lots of different ways that people, even today, try to have a Jesus who hasn't loved us and hasn't displayed his power, and what we're left with isn't the true Jesus. Isn't a Jesus, according to himself, in Mark's gospel, worth speaking about, worth sharing? If you've come this morning and Jesus, in your eyes, in your mind, in your understanding or knowledge, hasn't lovingly gone to the cross for you and powerfully raised from the dead, then Jesus said, keep that silly idea to yourself. Don't you dare go telling anybody about that. Why? Because Jesus sees it as nonsense. The Bible describes it as nonsense. I think it's nonsense. But at the end of Mark chapter 16, we have both things. We have Good Friday, which we celebrated in this room on Friday. And John really helpfully explored how Jesus was the one who literally died in our place. How his body was broken, how his blood was shed. You know, We have those uh, pictures, that image in the communion table of bread and wine that we consume. Because Jesus has done that for us. No greater love have anyone than to lay down his life for another. And that is what Jesus did on Good Friday in our place. But we also have Easter Sunday. And John, again, helpfully, has got us reciting. He is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. You know, and that power that is wielded by Jesus and by the Father and by the Spirit, even to conquer death. When we see both of those things, we have the full Jesus. We have the real Jesus. Now, that isn't a Jesus that's to be kept to yourself because it's wrong and twisted and, and silly and dangerous to pass on. That, according to the man left in the tomb, is a Jesus who's worth sharing, a Jesus who's worth telling people about, a Jesus who really can change everything. So what is Easter, Sunday, about then. If we can get over the resurrection, if we can get over the witnesses, if we can get over the weird ending, if I can get over this change of pace that now he's not someone to be kept secret, but someone to be shared, what is Easter all about? Is it about love? Yes, it's about love. Is it about power? Yes, it's about power. Is it about simply proving to us all the things that Mark has been kind of showing and hinting towards throughout his gospel? Yes, it's about that. But more fully, it's really about this, isn't it? It's about hope. It's about hope. Have a look again at what the man says to the women. So they come in, and you can imagine the scene, can't you? They're there to, like, tend to Jesus' body. They're there to do what they think is right and fitting for someone that they have lost, someone that they have loved. They've come to carry on loving Jesus, even though he's dead. And just the whole scene disrupts their thinking. Um, Like, on the way to the tomb, they've come to this realization, or hang on a second, not only have they buried Jesus in the tomb, but they've rolled a great big stone across the front of it, how are we going to cope with that? How are we going to manage that? So they've got a very clear picture in their mind of what they're about to encounter. But it says, when they looked up, first of all, they saw that stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. It's a strong word. Yeah, it doesn't sound like much to us but it's a strong word it's like literally a word of being caused to tremble with fear and in verse 6 the man says to them don't be alarmed you're looking for jesus the nazarene who was crucified he is not he is risen he is not here So they come and whether it's the circumstances of the tomb or I think we can think about it really easily in in a bigger sense, in a fuller way of, of being afraid, filled with fear because Jesus, in whom they put all their hope, all their trust, has been killed. They come and they're trembling. And this young man, this angel actually, says to them, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed, because Jesus is risen. He is not here. See, Jesus willingly laid down his life, and he said that he had power and authority to take it up again. We really need both of those things, the love of Good Friday and the power of Easter Sunday to be true. Because that can change us from being people who are filled with fear to the point of trembling to being people who are filled with hope. People who can know forgiveness. Oh, he tells them to go to Galilee, but people who can be filled with forgiveness and joy and peace and acceptance, security. Easter Sunday really is about everything. Because Jesus is alive, it changes everything. Um, to the PS, let's think about this and see if it helps. In many of your Bibles, there'll be a couple of verses written at the end that are in square brackets. And uh, for a lot of people, that's confusing. Well, why is it that there's this portion that then has a footnote that says it's not really, in the Bible, I don't know, what's going on? How do you feel about this as an ending to a story, to the greatest story ever told? Trembling and bewildered, so they haven't really understood what the angel has said to them, um, because they're still trembling. The women went out and fled from the tomb, and they said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid. I mean, does that feel to you like a very satisfying conclusion to a book? I mean, it's an intriguing conclusion to a book, but it's not particularly satisfying. And if you look what I've got in my hands here, I've got a copy of Mark's Gospel. Mark's Gospel is just this first half of it. And then this second half of it is extra stuff that people have put in because they think it's helpful for you and I not just to read Mark's gospel, but to think about Mark's gospel. To think about the very question we might be considering today, so what? Why does it matter that Jesus has risen from the dead? What does it? Why does it matter that he truly was God made flesh? Why does it matter that he holds the keys to life and death? You know, all of these things. Why does any of that matter? And someone has decided, do you know what? I want you to read Mark's gospel, but I don't want you just to finish there. I want you to ask the right questions. I want you to come to the right conclusions. I want you to know and to see and to understand the difference that it can make in your lives. Now this gospel, this version with all its PSs, was written, can't find a publishing date, but it's about one year old. So in 2015, something like that, someone decided they were going to print this full of questions and notes and helpful thoughts and things like that to help people process the message of Mark. That wasn't a new idea. That wasn't a new idea. Turns out, right throughout history, people have wanted other people not just to read the Bible, not just to encounter Jesus, but to see him, to understand him, and to be changed by him. And so, in the time after the earliest witnesses, uh, maybe a hundred years after Mark had written his gospel... You can well imagine somebody copying out, painstakingly copying out letter by letter a copy of Mark's gospel and thinking, do you know what? I know this is the end of the story as Mark tells it, that the women saw, that the women heard the command to go and tell, but he leaves it with that cliffhanger of what did they actually do. Do you know what I think will be really helpful? Is if people saw that they did tell Peter, and the other disciples. That Jesus had more stuff to say to them when he met them again. Go, preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I will be with you always. That the church grew, that amongst the early church, there were these amazing miracles. All of these sorts of things would be really helpful for people to have in their head, in their their mind, if all they're going to read is Mark's gospel. And so people kind of started just adding little bits. Not adding to scripture, but just making sure that the resources were there for anybody who would encounter this story to see and to learn. But that isn't how Mark's gospel finishes. I mean, that's my way of saying, of all those stressful things, those alerting things at the start, that that needn't be one for you. It's it's a really obvious reason why they're there. It's because people wanted to explain what Mark was on about. OK? But here is where Mark finishes, with women who are fleeing, who are still trembling, and they're saying nothing to anyone because they are afraid. Now what is Mark doing there? Well, I think Mark is very, very powerfully helping us ask this question, well, what did they do? What did they do with that knowledge? If they saw this empty tomb, if they encountered this angel, and I mentioned it a second ago, I might as well clarify this is an angel. In our heads, for some reason, we think that angels have wings. Literally never in the Bible do angels depicted with wings. Virtually every time people see an angel, they mistake them for a person. That's just a fun fact for you to take away. But they've been commanded to, to go to Galilee, and to see Jesus for themselves. What happened? Like, is this all for real? That's a good question to be left asking, isn't it? That's a good question, not just to be told by Mark, and then to go, well, I'm not sure, hmm. But to actually contend with ourselves. Did these women, were they changed? Did they... Were the events of Good Friday and Easter Sunday enough to take them from a place of physically trembling with fear to having hope, to declaring boldly, to encouraging others to come and to see for themselves? That's the question that Mark leaves us with, really, doesn't he? And the obvious answer is, yes, of course they tell, because that's how we know this is what happened. They went and they told Peter, they told Mark, they told the rest, they shared it with them, and that is how the church grew. If you like, Mark is finishing his gospel, and he's leaving this challenge at our feet. What are you going to do with a Jesus who died and a Jesus who raised, raised to life again? Are you going to stay how you are, unaffected, unchanged by the greatest news ever in human history? Are you going to carry on thinking uh, of God as a kind of a sort of a loving God, but I don't know really whether he cares about me, and sort of a powerful God, but I don't know whether he can actually make any difference in my life? Or are you going to go and become someone who finds hope and forgiveness and acceptance and peace and everything because you know and you've seen for yourself the risen Jesus. Are you going to be transformed? Are you going to go to Galilee? Are you going to see and meet Jesus as the one who is the answer for everything? This is the invitation I want to give you this morning. Nothing to do with Mark, just me, just Sammy, who has seen, who has trusted who has come to comprehend how God has loved us and has the power to overcome the greatest obstacles in our lives. I want to invite you to come to Galilee yourself. This is not, by the way, Cheryl and Graham, another invitation to go out on a tour of Israel. I wasn't speaking about that. I mean, like, metaphorically. Because it's not just an empty tomb that we celebrate at Easter. It's a risen Lord and Saviour. It is a person who died. A person who rose to life again. Someone who can make all the difference and every difference in your life. You can come, you can see him, you can meet him for yourself and you, like the women in the tomb, can not be afraid anymore. Now, I don't know what everybody's fears are this morning. We've spoken about fears as we've been going through Mark's gospel. Maybe your fear is that you're not good enough. Do you know what? Good Friday, Easter Sunday, they tell you two things. They tell you one, you're not good enough. But Jesus is, and Jesus has done everything that is necessary for you. So that fear can be dealt with, it can be taken away. Maybe your fear is that you'll never truly be accepted, never truly be loved, never truly be known in any sort of deep, or intimate, or like, purposeful way. Good Friday and Easter Sunday show you that you are loved beyond comprehension. Someone who had never done anything wrong in their entire lives, had lived an utterly perfect death, uh, life, was willing to die in your place. But not like a pointless death that led nowhere, a death that led to what? Wonderful, real eternal new life that's what we get at easter so if that's your fear you can take it away maybe your fear is you don't know how it will all pan out take a look in the tomb for yourself death is not the end and we were thinking about this this week in coffee cake and company of how um when christians speak about life after death sometimes we can have this understanding that really all we're talking about is like some spiritual existence like a consciousness that continues and maybe like comfort ourselves with that sort of notion but like we could have come up with that and still have had jesus's body in the tomb couldn't we like the angel could have been there and the angel could have been saying to the marys who'd come that's just his body but you know what jesus lives on go and tell the disciples that's not the story at all. The story is Jesus physically has been raised to eternal life. So, if your fear is not knowing how things are going to work out, when you hear stories of things like Christians being blown up this morning in Sri Lanka, I don't want to minimize what they've gone through, but it's so ironic that people who want to persecute and hate on the church and rebel against God have cho- chosen to try and use death something to scare people on the very day that they're coming together to think, do you know what? Death, as we know it, is not the end. That life goes on and it's fuller and it's better than what we experience now. So if that's your fear, you can get rid of that bush. Gone. If you're afraid this morning that what you have can so easily slip through your fingers, can be taken away from you, that any of those things maybe that I've spoken about that you have in Christ or just things that you have in life that you're desperate to cling on for and you're terrified that they'll go away. Well, do you know what? This is how the church has always understood Jesus as dying and rising to life again, is that what is ours through Jesus, the love and the power of Easter can never be taken away. Paul's got that fantastic list in his letter to the Roman church, the same people that Mark is writing to. It's neither death, nor famine, nor nakedness, nor persecution, nor just anything. Powers, authorities can separate us from the love that we have, the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. If you're afraid of losing it all, that's a little bit what the women went to the tomb like. that They put their hope in Jesus and now it was gone, it was lost that fear can be gone because Jesus is alive. And the angel says to them, go on, go and tell Peter, go tell the disciples and go and see him for yourself. So I stand this morning and this is my question or my encouragement to you. Come to Galilee. Come to Galilee and see Jesus. See the full Jesus, the real Jesus, the God who really loves, the God who is really powerful, the God who is willing to go through all of that for your good. And you'll see that not only do you have hope and forgiveness and joy and peace and acceptance and security, that you have everything that you need. That is what Easter is all about. So forget all the stresses, forget all the alarms, forget all the things that cause us to question and to wrestle. There are answers. But in truly in Jesus there is hope. There is everything. I'm going to pray and then the guys are going to come back and we're going to carry on singing. Lord God, we thank you for Good Friday and Easter Sunday. So often we look at the world and there are things that make us want to say that you're not a loving God or you're not a powerful God. That either you don't care or you're not able to do anything about it. Lord, we thank you that all wrapped up in the Easter story is this truth. That you not only are willing to do something about it, but that in Jesus you're willing to go through it for us. Lord, if ever we've got questions about your lovingness, Lord, we look to the cross. We look at the lengths and the extent that Jesus was willing to go for us, deliberately for our sakes, oh God. And if ever we've got questions about your power, your authority, your might, your ability to affect change, Lord, we look at the empty tomb. When we say yes, God is able, even to the point of death. Lord, help us this morning to see the full Jesus. To see all of that and more, everything that Mark has been speaking about. Lord, whatever our fears, whatever our worries, whatever our anxieties are, help us to go from that place of trembling to that place of hoping. Lord, that place of joy, that place of speaking out and declaring the truth. That now we have seen And now we can call others to see as well. Lord, it is good news. Help us this morning as we continue to worship, to celebrate everything that is wrapped up in the Easter story. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you found today's message useful and challenging. And we want to take a moment to offer you some next steps that you can take right now. Why not get in touch with us via email at contact at if you have any follow-up questions or things that you'd like to discuss. If you want to know more about what's going on at Amford Church, make sure to like us on Facebook. And lastly, check out our YouTube channel for video teaching in addition to our sermon podcasts. Thanks for listening.